It's the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast, featuring stories of royals, scandals, and true crime. Here are your hosts, Carrie and Larissa. Hey, real quick, before we get started on this show, there was an issue with the audio. I tried to clean up best I could, but it, it was hurting. So we're just doing a quick segment in the front. Larissa's going to sound a little muffled. Believe me, we're getting our stuff together. <laughs> and then there's also a guest appearance from Shannon from the Crime and Anxiety podcast. It was recorded back before Larissa joined our show as the host. So I hope you kind of enjoy that. We just wanted to get something out there. It's definitely an interesting story. I didn't hadn't heard of it before the, the, the episode we had recorded. And we hope to be back again next week with... Larissa sounding a little bit more clear than her sounding like she's in a tunnel. Thank you. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast. I'm your host, co-host, whoever I am, Carrie. Guten Morgen. I am Larissa. How are you this morning, Miss Carrie? I am good. So have you for me today? I have not talked to you in ages. No. You know, I thought I would give us a little update on our gal, Miss Elizabeth Holmes. So it appears she's pregnant again, right? I'm not surprised. I called it. I think she's trying to stay pregnant so that she gets the pity sentencing and she can prolong her sentencing. You know, the judge agreed to move the sentencing date for her because he wants to evaluate if she gets a new trial. Now she made a request for a new trial because apparently one of the witnesses, her lab director, Adam Rosendorf, he came to her house in August and attempted to apologize for his role in her conviction, right? So he's like, oh, I feel like an ass, you know, tried to answer some questions for them. And he was worried he made everyone look bad. And he feels that the family shouldn't have to pay for the sins of Sammy and Elizabeth. So she wants a new trial. And the judge is like, well, it's unusual for a witness to appear at a defendant's home after a trial, but... I will say I haven't seen a case where this has happened before, so he's considering it. I would feel bad anyways for testifying against anybody I knew, but I feel like she cannot think that she's actually innocent of everything. Uh, Yeah, but come on. She really cannot be that much of a narcissist, like really? Even if she tries to blame it all on Sonny, it's her company. She's the one who got him involved in her company. Yeah, and if you watch watch any of the, the documentary about her... She was directly involved with with misrepresenting to investors and all that. Oh, yes, she was. Um, Yeah, so there's that. That's her update. Elizabeth Holmes may not have to begin her 11-year prison sentence as soon as prosecutors might have hoped for. According to reports, Holmes' legal team is expected to appeal her 11-year prison sentence, therefore delaying the date that she would turn herself in. On Friday, the disgraced Theranos founder was sentenced to 135 months behind bars after being charged for misleading investors and endangering patients while peddling fake blood testing technology. Holmes is currently pregnant with her second child. Her attorneys must file an appeal within the next two weeks. Joining us now to weigh in on what's next for the case is uh, defense attorney Paula Canny. Paula, thanks for being with us. Uh, the, the whole thing about her being pregnant, going to prison is raising some eyebrows because it's not something that we think about a lot when you're talking about a convicted criminal. So tell us how this will play out. So have the child in prison and then they'll be separated? What happens? 
Okay, so that's a, a great question. One of the reasons why the judge delayed the sentencing to April 27th is, that, is so she could have the baby before she goes into custody. In the United States, uh, women who give birth to babies out of custody and then go into prison don't take their babies with them. And in many states and in many institutions, if a woman's pregnant and they give birth while in custody, some states take the baby away right away. Some let them keep uh, stay with the mother for a month or two or three months. In Europe, uh, when a woman has a baby in custody, they can keep the child with them for months and even years. So. The U.S. in some ways is sort of draconian as to how we treat women who give birth while they're criminal defendants. In terms of what's going to happen, though, uh, the defense team has to file an appeal within 10 days of the sentencing date. So they'll file an appeal and they'll also file a motion for bail on appeal. If that motion for bail on appeal is granted by the judge, then Elizabeth Holmes won't even begin uh, serving her sentence in April. She won't serve a sentence until after the appeal is exhausted. Uh, A 2019 study by the American Public Health Association found that more than 1,000 pregnant women entered a federal or state prison over a 12-month study period, 753 of them giving birth in custody. So how controversial is this to give her that time before turning herself in in order to have her second baby? I think it's completely appropriate because in federal cases, she's clearly not a flight risk. She's made all her court appearances. It's in the best interest of the mother and of the child to not give birth. Uh, And it's also far less costly to the United States Bureau of Prisons to not give birth to, you know, go through that medical procedure. I mean, one of the things that's also really interesting that in the United States, there are all these different policies about how a woman giving birth is treated. And I think it's like in 21 out of 50 states, women can still be shackled while they're giving birth. I mean, that's pretty draconian. So it's something that I've been working on for the last couple of years is to change those policies that nobody be shackled while they're giving birth. I mean, it's not like you're an escape risk while you're having a baby. Right. But there is some cynicism (laughs) that, uh, you know, a tactic would be to get pregnant prior to your prison sentence. I mean, I'm not saying that's what happened, but I'm saying that that's something that has come up in conversations. Correct. Well. Absolutely. I mean, it's something that it was sort of the elephant in the room, the proverbial elephant in the room. And you raise a great point, but it didn't absolve her from getting a prison sentence. The judge sentenced her to a 135 month prison sentence. He just granted her a state of surrender. And as I I said, I think it's likely that the judge is going to grant her bail on appeal. So it will moot or erase that that surrender date that he has given to her. So she could be out during the pendency of the appeal, which could last, you know, a year to two to three years, depending on a bunch of different machinations. And then if the convictions, now she was convicted of four crimes out of 12 after her jury trial, if the convictions are reversed or some aspect of the sentencing is reversed, uh, then 
she gets a new trial. I mean, the other thing that Judge Davila told the lawyers to do is you all need to meet and confer and also set a hearing date to address the issue of restitution because the government wants, I think, like $805 million in restitution. And the defense is saying, you know, that's absurd. It's significantly less. But the restitution issues are very, very, very complex. So I wanted you to come on. I had never heard the story before mm-hmm. about Mark Ruffalo. Do you remember him 13 going on 30? Do you remember him in that movie? Oh, he's still he's still in all kinds of things. And I had a huge crush on him. Right. On 13 going on 30. He's super cute. He's also uh, one of the superhero isn't he the um the hulk it's weird how instinctively sometimes i'll pick these stories and you'll yeah. have some sort of vested interest <laughs> in them yeah, i didn't realize his brother died so i found information from medium.com by mm-hmm. nicole henley i was mentioning it i think i'm the last time you came on the misdemeanors and misdeeds also like new york post there's some reddit stuff i feel like we both kind of like crush on him a little bit and i feel uh, really bad so, Annie yeah. later on had like a brain tumor no, what? Uh, okay, Mark Ruffalo was born in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Am I saying that right? I'm so impressed because I would not have said it like that. I think you're right. <laughs> I have no idea. We'll say Kenosha, Wisconsin to Marie Rose. I love, I'm going to say Nay Hebert because Nay is so fancy. Nay Hebert. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we roll over I here. I love it. I'm very fancy. A hairdresser and stylist and Frank Florence Ruffalo, who worked as a construction painter, who also had two daughters and another son, Mark's sisters, Tanya and Nicole, and his brother, Scott. Growing up, Ruffalo attended both Catholic and progressive schools through his education and had described himself as a happy kid during by those the, years. By the way, I think he's a Scientologist now. I think <gasps> I think oh, Jody no. and I did an entire episode on this one. Oh, I'm going to double check. but very I, upset. He describes himself as a happy kid during those years, despite struggling with undiagnosed dyslexia and ADD, both as a child and young adult. Having spent his teen years in Virginia Beach, oh Virginia. Oh my gosh. What? Paul Haggis claims a Scientology spy posed as a time reporter requesting an interview. And he was saying, Mark Ruffalo on Twitter, Scientology anti-drug program, fabricated court order suggests attempts to silence. He has some sort of affiliation with Scientology. Yeah, that's weird. I don't want him to be a Scientologist. Um, Having spent his teen years in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where his father worked, Mark competed in wrestling in junior high and high school in both Wisconsin and Virginia. Michael Pena is the one that's the Scientologist. Okay, not Mark Ruffalo? No, they kind of look like each other a little bit. Michael Pena looks a little younger than him. Thank God. Sorry, I got that wrong. But that they, is he really- does look like a younger <laughs> version of him. So I'm really sorry. <laughs> that is a big relief to me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Sad. I know, me too. I was just like, really? Yeah, I don't like Scientology at all. All right, Ruffalo first got into acting when he acted for the Patriot Playhouse taught by Nancy P. Curtis from where he graduated from First Colonial High School. His family later moved to San Diego, California, and then to Los Angeles with his brother, Scott, where Ruffalo took classes at the Stella Adler Conservatory and co-founded the Orpheus Theater Company. Through the theater company, he wrote, directed, and starred in many plays and worked as a bartender for close to a decade. While in their teens, Mark and his brother, Scott, moved to Los Angeles, where they scraped by in a $600 a month apartment by MacArthur Park. 
sharing a full-size bed. That's funny. At one point, Mark recalled how he and his brother got by during those times while he auditioned for roles and Scott just getting started as a hairdresser. He'd make an effing giant bowl of tuna pasta and we'd eat off that all week long, he said. The best of times, the worst of times. And that was Mark on how he and his brother got by early into their careers. That's cute. <laughs> Isn't that cute? I love it, yeah. I probably couldn't eat tuna. Pasta, no, probably not. That's Did probably you ever eat something, a memory. lot of something, and now you're just, you can't? I'm trying to think. There's something recently. I was like, oh, no, I can't do that anymore. Oh, I know. When I was doing the 21-day fix from mm-hmm. Beachbody, every morning I had scrambled eggs and oatmeal. And I did it for the full 21 days every single morning. And now... And that was a couple of years ago. And I'm still like ick about scrambled eggs. I, will, I eat fried eggs or boiled, but scrambled eggs kind of makes me want to throw up. There's a lot of unanswered questions about a tragedy that hit the family. His success in L.A. was beginning to rival that of his younger brother, Scott, who'd become a popular hairstylist in Beverly Hills. For the longest time, I was Scott Ruffalo's brother. Really? Yeah. I mean, he was... Uh, the mayor of Beverly Hills. He was just so beloved there. Uh Then in 2008, Scott Ruffalo was found shot in the back of the head. They never solved his case, did they? They made a uh, kind of a last scrambled effort to to solve it, uh, and they ended up just closing it as a a homicide. Mm -hmm. How did you feel about that? You know, it's, it'll be the great mystery uh, of my life. How do you make peace with a mystery like that? The way you make peace with every mystery, you, you just live alongside it. At the end of the summer, my wife and I looked at each other and said, what are we doing? Why are we going back? Mm-hmm. We're so happy. Grieving the loss of his brother, Ruffalo left L.A. and moved to a farm in upstate New York with his wife Sunrise and their three kids. He was considering a career change when he took a part in The Kids Are All Right as a sperm donor to two lesbian parents, played by Julianne Moore and Annette Bening. What about your social life? My my social life? Yeah, you know, are you married, divorced, seeing anyone? Mom. Oh, we're getting to know Paul. That was going to be my last thing. Your last acting job? Basically, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know if I would ever act again. I didn't, I didn't, wasn't, but I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm done at this part of my life for a while. Mm-hmm. So Scott, the brother, was a married hairdresser, but I think he lived on his own, they said. Uh-huh. And they would just see like a woman coming and going, the neighbors did. Right. But he was pretty successful in Beverly Hills. He was found with a shot to his head and a gun in his left hand at his Beverly Hills condo. And he was immediately rushed to a hospital. A week later, he died. He was only 39. Hmm. So the investigation and the death led police to two persons of interest, both of whom were with Ruffalo at the time of the shooting. Shaha Adam, A-D-H-A-M, 26, Mm -hmm. a wealthy Saudi businesswoman who supposedly, like, through her grandfather, she was related to the Saudi royal family. Right. And her boyfriend, Brian B. Schoolfield, 29. The detectives knew Adam had been at Ruffalo's because his home surveillance caught her at his condo. Both she and Schoolfield were taken in for questioning. Afterwards, they were released, but later booked on suspicion of attempted murder before ultimately being released again. As stated by one law enforcement source, I know there was more than one set of prints on the gun. One was Ruffalo's. 
According to the female, mm-hmm. Ruffalo was shot during a game of Russian roulette gone wrong, what? which is really weird. Right. And I wish playing that game tried to find what time of day this was, but I couldn't. Her version of events leading up to the shooting was, according to her lawyer, Ronald Richard, his client was there to pick up some keys when he, Ruffalo, decided to play a game of Russian roulette. He further added that the gun used in the shooting belonged to him and that he was a known cocaine user with a history of using and playing with firearms in front of witnesses. Mm-mm. Now, in April of 2002, he had been convicted of a felony charge for possession of a controlled substance for sale. And then he also had a second charge, which was dismissed for possession of a controlled narcotic substance. Originally, the Beverly Hills Police Department proclaimed Ruffalo's death a result of suicide by Russian roulette, but then they later backtracked after the coroner's report came out showing that the angle of the enter of the bullet proved he could not possibly have shot himself. Specifically, it was to the back of the head. I don't like this game, period. Nobody should be playing it. With no other leads in the case and the only two known suspects to his death now off the hook, his death remains unsolved to this day. Wow. And the Beverly Hills Police Department closed it. They said Adam died of an apparent drug overdose in January of 2012, but it didn't Uh get reported until the following month. But I actually thought Schofield was. So I'm going to look this up really quick. Sorry. We're like, this is live action, but like behind the scenes. Exactly. We're just whatever. Today. <laughs> she did. She's the one that died. I really thought okay. it was Schofield that died. This is from the LA Times. She had died January 6th after being admitted to Cedar sinai Medical Center, according to the LA County Coroner's Office. She had been arrested in 2008 and later released in connection to the Buffalo homicide investigation. They believe that sources may have played a role in her death, but they would mm-hmm. not discuss what type of drugs were involved. I think... Some of these drugs make you very paranoid. Like, is that what they were doing? Kind of playing around. But I really am surprised that they closed the case after she died and not he died. Yeah, that's very shady details. I don't like it. Ruffalo may have had his flaws and vices, but he was described as a well-known and well-liked guy. He had been a successful hairdresser, like I mentioned before. He had a license in cosmetology since 1991. He mm-hmm. set up his corporation in 2001, Rough Incorporated, and he worked in salons in Santa Monica, Beverly Hills, Giuseppe Franco Salon. Mark Ruffalo had to take some time off in order to deal with it. And later on, he picked roles, I think, that were like the embodiment of his brother or whatnot, right. or had, right. because he really credits with his brother. He basically says he owes his entire career to him. Oh. On Reddit, because I was looking around, because they always have some really good theories right. on Reddit. If you ever yeah. want to know what happened to somebody, they have some great theories. Okay. And a guy posted, I worked with Brian Schofield for about a year preceding these events. And let me tell you, this was the office hubbub for months. Brian was a huge tool, but not a killer. I honestly think they were all super high and pulling a deer hunter. It's weird to me that it was ruled a homicide, but everyone present was quickly released. And I wonder, maybe he was playing Russian roulette and he said, Brian, put the gun in my head. Like, who knows? That had to be a revolver to play Russian roulette. If it's a nine millimeter, mm-hmm. you can't mm-hmm. play Russian roulette with a nine millimeter. The gun is in the right. chamber. It's in the chamber. It's just the whole thing is really odd. I wonder if it's like an accidental homicide. And they did find cocaine and morphine in a system. I was about to say, I was looking, they found cocaine and morphine. You don't know what that's going to do to you. That can jack everybody up and make you think, hey, he's coming after me. Or, I mean, first of all, what kind of frame of mind do you have to be in to play Russian roulette for real? Like, 
for real, real say it. Nope. You got to be in a crazy frame of mind. Maybe they all were. The neighbor said, this is really strange. It's obviously not just a break-in. Robbers don't just routinely go to Beverly Hills in the middle of the night. So the building was really secure. Mm -hmm. She heard no sounds of gunshots or scuffle, even though she lived close by, Mm -hmm. and that police had knocked on her door at four in the morning. So I wonder who actually reported it, because they Mm -hmm. like jetted off from the scene, didn't they? Yeah, evidently. It was just an accident, and maybe that, I mean, is it still listed as a homicide? But the case is closed. But I wonder if it was a homicide and just accidental, and they've gotten the story from the people, and they've just kept it closed everybody was on drugs and crazy and that's what happened. That's why I wonder if they're just like, well, this is too confusing. There was drugs on the scene. It wasn't an intentional thing at all. That's very sad though. It's super sad. It kind of breaks my heart. Mark Ruffalo told CBS Sunday morning in 2014, this will likely remain one of life's greatest mysteries. Oh, isn't that sad? Yeah. It just breaks your heart not knowing and not having a, Mm -hmm. you know, a definite closure on what happened. R.I.P. Ciao, darling. Still too early to go to Tiffany's. I guess the next best thing is a drink. I will never be the woman with the perfect hair who can wear white and not spill on it. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Let's play a game, all right? On the count of three, name your favorite dinosaur. Don't even think about it, just name it. Ready? One, two, three. Hey, it's me again, and you thought you probably had enough of my voice by now. Just a quick reminder to find us and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Miss Intrigue Pod. Follow us on Pinterest and Flipboard where we collect featured stories from across the internet of royalty, chronicles of interesting events in history, and of course, true crime. Lastly, check out our YouTube channel because everyone has one, right? That features playlists of documentaries and other related segments from our podcast topics. And if you want to hit us up, check out Miss deeds and intrigue podcast.com but we don't have a complaints department just to give you a little heads up the podcaster or authors assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast the information contained on this podcast is an as-is basis with no guarantees of completeness accuracy, usefulness, or timeliness. A reasonable amount of effort was made to deliver precise data. All views expressed by the podcast host or guest co-host are their own and do not necessarily represent the opinion of any entity whatsoever with which Carrie, Misdeeds, or Intrigue Podcast, or Larissa have been, am now, or will be affiliated. The content of this podcast is for personal, informational, and entertainment purposes only and is not to be viewed for commercial use. Misdeeds and Intrigue podcast respects the intellectual property of others. Any audio clips that were not generated by the podcast host or producer was pulled from the public domain, free use sites and or from YouTube, or other authorized sites to gather information. The utmost effort was made to credit the author and or production. If at any time you feel that copyright was infringed, 
Please email Carrie at misdeedsandintriguepodcast.com. An immediate action will be taken to remove the audio clips that were present for entertainment purposes only.